I felt the I felt the the devastation of that. I felt uh, responsible for that. I also felt tons of shame around that, and um, and so I'd say the the first breakthrough was acknowledging the shame and feeling a balance between the responsibility for the actions that I had taken and uh, and understanding that I wasn't um, that I wasn't a monster, that I was just someone who was making bad choices. our new format for the podcast. So I just wanted to remind you that this new format involves you. So I am pushing a survey to my big sexy data set. If you are not yet a member, I would love for you to email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and just say add me. This month's theme is around owning your power. So I'm going to push a survey and if you answer it by mid-month, you will be eligible to be on the listener panel at the end of the month. So you'll fill out the survey. You can either choose to remain totally anonymous or if you check a box, you can say, yes, I would be interested in being on the podcast to talk about this and I will be inviting people by the third week of April and then recording the episode to drop on the last week of April. This is going to be the format moving forward. So we'll have a theme of every month. This this month's theme is owning your power and May will be a different theme, etc. And they will all involve you. So please do get involved. Just email me at dearmentpodcast at gmail.com and say add me. Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of Dear Men. I'm really excited about this month. We are talking about how to own your power. And I'm pretty pumped to have a powerful guest with me today. I have Kevin O'Malley here, who is a men's work facilitator and couples coach and a good friend. And Kevin and I worked together a number of years ago with the Authentic Man program, which we'll probably talk about in this episode. And I found him to be a really inspiring embodiment of the healthy masculine. And a real mentor and role model for men, which is fairly rare. So thank you for being who you are, Kevin, and thanks for being on the podcast. Mm, thanks. That feels great. I'm <laughs> super excited to be here. I'm glad. So um, we're talking this month about owning your power as a man. And I've noticed with a lot of my clients, and I think probably we can talk about who we worked with um, you know, in a general way with the authentic man program, but I think we've both sort of seen a pattern of men who don't, who aren't owning their power yet. Um, and I'm wondering if, you know, you can maybe share your story first of your journey as a man of learning to own your power. Cause I don't think that it was always, you know, like you were just like born and you were like, I own my power all the time. Like there was obviously a journey you went on and I'm wondering if we can start by, um, are you sharing that? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know I wasn't born like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could have popped out like Hercules, um, <laughs> but that was definitely not my story. 
Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to talk about that. Um, and, uh, uh, and hopefully, um, uh, when, when it comes back to you, we hear like, like what you think of when you think of masculine power, because I'll give you my opinion and, you know, it's based on my own story and working with, uh, I don't know, at this point, a few hundred men, um, uh, and being in, in men's groups and men's circles for 15, 16 years now doing the authentic man program. Um, when I think about masculine power, I think of, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, I think the, the very surface level is what we might call self-esteem. Um, but I think below that is your dignity, um, your sense of pride, the sense of being proud of who you are and what you do. Um, and that's kind of grounded in your humanity and your, just your intrinsic okayness, right? Like I'm okay. I'm a good guy. I'm here to do good things. And, you know, you build up all of those layers. And when we pop out to the top and we're interacting with other people, those things come across as personal power. We could, you know, we could narrow it down to masculine power, you know, and I think that applies to many men. It might not apply to all men, but, um, but your personal power comes from all of those layers stacked on top. And, you know, as, as a, as a, as a boy, my, my parents uh, got divorced when I was seven. My dad was a very masculine man, um, athlete, uh, uh, a little bit of a bruiser. Like he didn't get in fights when I was a kid, but you know, he grew up in a really poor working class neighborhood in Chicago and, um, you know, definitely very masculine man and also a very conservative man. And, um, and, uh, and a racist and, uh, like a lot of tough ideas and very specific ideas about men. And, uh, my mother, um, she was born in another country, came here when she was 15, very feminine, but also very, uh, very, uh, strong, uh, in, in will and intelligence and creativity and um you know ultimately <laughs> they split because she was she was like your brand of of power is not the brand of power that i want to be connected to um so i had that model um but that wasn't me at my core but i wanted to be that um looked like my father you know the only son in the family looked up to him like so deeply, but I was not, it was not that tough. Um, I would occasionally get in a scrap, but I, like, I didn't, didn't know how to fight. Didn't want to get in fights, felt shame around that. Wanted to be tougher, wanted to play football. He played football. I didn't do any of that. Um, and, uh, didn't quite measure up to that image. So, you know, like, like, and, you know, five, six, seven years old, I don't know why this is already going on at that age, but it was already going on at that age. And so they split up and I live with my mother 
And they, they not only did they, they split it for, for the reasons that I said, but my father was also a cheater. He was cheating on my mom. He did it. He did it one too many times. And she said, you know, fuck this. I'm out of here. I don't know if I can swear, but you can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she said, fuck you. Fuck this. I'm out of here. Um, but uh, she didn't cut off all ties from my father in, in terms of like, I was able to see him, but she basically saw him as the enemy for a lot of good reasons. Right. But I grew up in a household where I looked almost exactly like the enemy. I was the only, I was the only male in the household. Um, and she didn't want me to be my dad. She didn't want me to act like my dad. She didn't want me to play football like my dad. She didn't want any of that for me. But she didn't have a real sense of language for that. She was, you know, she was just like, don't be that way. And um, so from seven to probably about somewhere in the middle of high school when I, when I kind of started rebelling against her, there was a, uh, what would, how would I describe it? Um, like, uh, like, a I'll just say like a heavy blanket, like an emotional wet blanket, like thrown on my, um, my being too masculine or too much like my father, or too much like a man. And, you know, and again, it's not like my mother was feminine. She dated men. She got married to another man. Like, it wasn't like she hated men, but there was something about all of her past and the experience that she had with my father and the way that she projected that on to me, which sent sometimes subtle and sometimes really overt messages don't fucking be that way don't be who you are or who you think you are be something else be a good boy um and it was like like even like getting a weight set and working out in the garage like like becoming too physically powerful like she wasn't really comfortable with that and so fast forward <laughs> Uh, a man in my a man in my my mid twenties, and people are mistaking me for gay, and I'm and I'm not. I'm 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 heterosexual. N- never really wanted to move along the spectrum towards bi or homosexual. Like I I feel pretty secure about that, and I've been you know deep in. Um, LGBT culture in the San Francisco Bay Area and had lots of opportunities, but that's, that's not me. That wasn't me. But as a man in my 20s, I guess the best word is to say feminized. And, um, and, and I cannot tell you how many women I went on dates with who at the end of the date, they said, yeah, I thought you were gay. And so it really surprised me when you asked me out. And, um, the, like my strategy was to like be funny and kind of cool and attentive and, and wait, and wait, and wait, 
and wait <laughs> until she finally gave me all of the signs, all of the open doors where I would go, okay, I am not going to be told that I'm an animal or a brute or a dick or an asshole um, or inappropriate. Um, it's okay to, to move forward on this. Um, I love that you're speaking to that. Cause I feel like that's really common in the men that I see. And a lot of the men that probably the men that you've worked with too, is that the waiting that you just talked about of like hanging mm-hmm. back and like waiting for all the signals to move forward. And ultimately I think a lot of that comes from the fear of being shamed. Like you're an asshole, you're a dick, you're a pervert, you're disgusting, you're bad, which is kind of what you're talking to of like, you were waiting for all these signals so that you didn't get shamed. Right. Right. And the impact of that is that I lost out on a lot of chances to have interesting relationships with women, you know, sometimes just like wanting to make out with someone, um, wanting to date someone, wanting to have sex with someone, you know, um, but um, not just strictly on the physical, you know, that I, I lost out on, on many opportunities and it's kind of like, you know, sort of analogous to the women who would say at the end of the date that I thought you were gay. Like sometimes I would have conversations with women like years and years later and they would say, oh yeah, I thought you were so cute. I so wanted you to ask me out, da, 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 da. <laughs> and, and kind of going, oh God, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and I, it didn't ever happen and it's not ever going to happen. And well, okay, that was an opportunity lost. Um, the, the other impact is that I wasn't actually being me. I was being me afraid. I was being me being really careful. Um, I was being the me that didn't want to upset anybody. And, you know, it's not like I had aspirations of, of overpowering women or having sex with as many women as I could. Like, I just, you know, I just, I, I wanted to feel my sexuality, my sensuality, and my connection with the women who I was attracted to. But the overriding um, limiter was don't do anything wrong, bad, that could be seen as offensive, that could come across as a dick, like don't be like your dad was based on my mother's model. And um, yeah, so the, the, the impact was that I wasn't actually being my full self. I wasn't being me in a genuine sense or a powerful sense. And uh, I was being the careful me, the overly careful me. And um, that meant that I wasn't being 100% in my relationships either. And I wasn't feeling 100% in the choices that I was making. I was just sort of going along to it, along with it because I thought that I had to because that's just the way that it was. And I didn't want to be a bad guy. Yeah. That was like your prime directive. Don't be a bad guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the, you know, the other 
the other thing that I that I I walk away with looking looking back at that through the lens of history um, that trying so hard to not be a bad guy like ultimately that all went sideways anyway like I ended up cheating on my girlfriends just like my father did I ended up you know, lying about that I so like the the part of me that was denying what I wanted so like so clearly and from a healthy perspective like not unhealthy wants like really healthy wants <laughs> like wanting to be connected wanting to be sexual wanting to feel that energy um the the price that I paid for not owning that and and pushing it down and um and wanting to be you know like never seen possibly even for a moment as a bad guy like then i started hiding what i really wanted i started hiding what i what i wanted sexually i started hiding what i wanted in, in you know in my life like just like going from day to day how i wanted to conduct my relationships and so i i i, I started lying about what i really wanted or or, or how I felt. And then that led to this relationship is super unsatisfying. I'm going to go cheat with someone who I think really understands what I want or is connecting to that thing that I want. And ultimately that dug away at my self-esteem and my sense of integrity. And so I started to think that I was a bad guy and that I was just like my father and I had fucked it up. And um, and so try to have a relationship with all of that, those layers stacked together. It was, it was ugly <laughs> and it was clumsy and it was unsatisfying for everyone involved. Totally. And it's, it's interesting because I, I think this is a really common occurrence of until we do our consciousness work, we tend to repeat the patterns of our parents, even though we're trying not to. We're trying so hard to not be mom or not be dad. But if we don't do our consciousness work, we, we usually end up like mom or dad. Yeah. 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 Trying so hard not to be them. It comes out sideways and the end result is something pretty close to it anyway. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you, what was, what happened next? Like, how did you become more aware? What was your journey like in terms of moving forward from this? Was there a breaking point? There was, um, there were a couple things. There were a couple things that happened. Um, one was that I, you know, I became a serial monogamist who cheated near the, near the end of the relationship when the, when the communication stopped. Um, I would fall in love. I would like devote myself to that person um, things would be amazing. And then I would, all those layers would show up and I would start stuffing my real feelings and I would stop communicating. And um, I chose partners who, you know, who, who dovetailed into that in to such a way where you know, we were at the end of the relationship and I was just like, fuck it. I deserve to feel something. So, you know, and I would cheat and um, destroyed I think three major relationships in, in my twenties and like right around the age of 30, um, doing that. And I felt 
the I felt the the devastation of that. I felt uh, responsible for that. I also felt tons of shame around that, and um, and so I'd say the the first breakthrough was acknowledging the shame and feeling a balance between the responsibility for the actions that I had taken and uh, and understanding that I wasn't um, that I wasn't a monster that I was just someone who was making bad choices that um, that I was acting under pressures that were not steering me in the right like like in the most positive direction uh, but it was you know it was a it was <laughs> I was about 32 when I, and the, the third of these three really bad breakups happened. And uh, I just dove into this depression of, I'm a piece of shit. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm not an adult. Like, I can't manage this relationship thing. And it was all about me. It was all about how awful I was or what a liar I was or how much I was like my father or, you know. And there was some point of rock bottom where I was like, you're just doing the best that you can, bro. <laughs> like you're, you were handed a set of tools from your parents who were handed a set of tools from their parents. And you all are just bumble fucking your way through the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. And this was like, this is where you landed and you're, you, you know, you, you're not trying to hurt people. You're, you're trying to be a good person and you're trying to get what you want and you're trying to get along in this world. And, um, yes, like you made some poor choices, like, let's, let's work on that. Let's put some attention on that, but stop beating yourself up about it. And about, about two or three years after that, I had my first sort of, um, personal, um, introduction to what I would deem as like healthy masculine energy. Um, I'm curious in that, in that moment when you had the realization about like, you're just trying your best and you've been given certain tools. Did you just come to that on your own? Did you have any help? Did you read a book? Was there any like instigating factor that helped you come out of that shame and depression spiral? I, I read, I read several books on depression. I read one book specifically on male depression. Um, uh, I was in, you know, I was in therapy. I was in talk therapy uh, at the time. Um, but so I, I imagine that all of that contributed to this. But, I, but you know, it was really like one of those in the shower moments where I was like, dude, <laughs> you're just doing the best that you can. And that's all that you can ask of. That's all that we, the world, can ask of you is to do the best that you can. And if you need to do better, then let's work on that. And, and, and that's, how it, that's how it showed up for me. And I just had to keep reminding, me, reminding myself of that. Um, the really interesting outgrowth of that was at some point, I, I realized that I had to say the same thing about my parents. Because <laughs> for a real long time, I just, I was really wanting to blame my parents for all of this. Like they gave me like such horrible models. They fucked things up for me. This is why I'm the way that I am. Like, I feel like I'm 10 years behind being an adult because of every, you know, all of this. 
And then again, like one of those in the shower moments going, you know, thoughts flying through my head as I'm washing my hair and I just kind of go, boom, shit. I have to extend to them the same um, love, the same understanding that I've just extended to myself. And uh, they were just doing the best, the best that they could. Like they didn't have, they don't even, they still don't even have all the tools that you have in this moment. They're still trying to do the best that they could. And 20 years ago, they didn't have nothing. <laughs> right. And, and, um, and that actually led to uh, like probably one of the deepest conversations that I've had with my father about growing up, about being a man, about being depressed, about his father, about masculine violence in his family and like all of that. Um, you know, it, it didn't turn things around for him being like a really you know, open-minded, heart-centered, uh, all emotions out kind of man. <laughs> but it was definitely a place where I connected with him and was like, yeah, like I understand what you're going through, dad, because I'm going through it too. Mm. So you go through this, kind of epiphany basically and then there's several more years before you even really feel like you have a role model for like what the hell the healthy masculine actually looks like and acts like and does relationship like and like what you know what happened next right right so uh maybe still occasionally getting um question as to whether or not i was homosexual or heterosexual <laughs> But um, but definitely feeling less shame about who I am and 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 what I want and and all of that. But still, kind of seeing men, a particular kind of man, football watching, beer drinking, um, pussy chasing. You know, the kind of man who talked like my father, like the enemy, right? Like that is that is still not how to be, right? Like maybe I can have all kinds of compassion for who I am and the skill set that I have and and the choices that I made good and bad I can have all kinds of compassion about that but that model that's still wrong and we want to get as far away from that as we can um and at, at around that time a friend of mine um who I had met through like an underground dance community we used to call them raves back in the day um <laughs> he he said you should do this you should do this course i was like a course am i enrolling in a class he said, and he said no 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 it's not like that um and it's called the arte experience it's, it's something that i went on to lead and now defunct but it's a big part of what was the the foundation for uh, all the all the thoughts and processes that went into the authentic man program and I was just like, no, thanks. <laughs> sounds like, sounds like some crazy est uh, landmark, you know, like I was very turned off to all of that at that, at that point in time and just said, you know, thanks, but no, thanks. You have fun with that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and over the course of a few years, he, this, this person and several other people who I really respected said, no, I think you should check it out. I think you would really like this. It seems like it's way up your alley. And 
I started hearing about this men's group or men's circle meeting at the at Ocean Beach in San Francisco. And I just had like these wild images of men like jumping over the fire, beating drums. And, and I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. <laughs> and it, it, it turned out not to be exactly like that. But um, I, I finally said yes to this personal growth course called the RT Experience. And, and, I, and I fully walked in thinking, all right, they're going to call me a pussy and they're going to make me get naked and embarrass me. And like, it's going to be horrible, but I'm going to push through it. And I got there and it was nothing like that. Um, it was a, it was a place to just feel everything that I've been explaining for the last 30, 25, 30 minutes. It was, it was a place for me to feel all of that. And I could have walked away with just that and, been like that was really nourishing that really fed the part of me that needed to be seen and to be understood and to be um and and to feel compassion for it and and that would have been great but something amazing happened they had this experience where um another participant in the course another man wanted to feel his masculinity and, and this was like the thing that I was like, oh, shit, OK, I'm going to keep my head down because I don't want I, I don't want to be pointed out and being and be called a wimp or a pussy or less than a man. I was totally afraid that was going to happen. So this guy says, but that's what I want. Right. And so they give it to him. And, you know, I, I don't want to go into into great detail, but basically all of the men all of the men there, not just the participants, but all of them, all of the men who were supporting and all of the men who were leading, they all got together and they circled around the man and they supported him in a way that I had never seen before. They were not coddling him. They were being masculine. They were being, um, uh, tough isn't even the right word. They were just, they were unwilling for the man to be less than who he was, but it was all coming from a place of love. It was all coming from a place of, I want you to be a better man in the world. I want you to get what you want. I want you to be a good man. I don't want you to hide your shadow. I want you to own who you are and I want you to get it. And I'm not going to back down until you do. And I saw that and, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I like, I, it spun me out for the next 24 hours. It was a three day course and it spun me out for the next 24 hours. And I ha happened to be doing the course with, with my wife. I had, I had, so this is maybe three and a half years later, actually, we had already met, been in a relationship. I had fucked it up. We got back together. I fixed it. We got married. I'm in this course with her and I'm spinning out after seeing this masculine love, hard energy. And I say to her, I like, I think I need, I think I need to do that. And I'm really fucking scared. And she's like, yeah, I think you need to do it too. <laughs> 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 and so I, I like, I like every, in this course, everyone sort of got a turn to have their the attention put on them. And I'd already had that. And I had this beautiful, loving, nourishing experience. And so I, the, you know, I go, I, I go, I need to have that experience. And it's a total, like, like 
making the course like take a right turn when I wasn't expecting it, but they were generous and they said, okay, if you want it, make it happen because we're not going to do it for you. And I, like, so, you know, to cut a, an already long story, a little bit shorter, like I went through that experience. I asked for it. I generated it. I saw that I had power and I saw that I could um, embody the masculine and still be a good guy. Yes. I could, um, uh, I, I, I did not turn into the shadow version that I saw my father as. I saw that there was actually something that lit me up when I, I, I was brave enough to take on what it felt like to be in my power, to own who I was, to own what I wanted, to ask for it, to demand it, to generate it. And that changed my life and changed the way that I thought of men, the way that I thought of the masculine, the way that I thought of the feminine, uh, completely changed my life. That's a really amazing story for two reasons. One, the fact that you advocated for yourself, especially since you had already had a a turn, quote unquote, had a turn is quite extraordinary because it's almost like they said, okay, if you want it, you've got to, you've got to step up and get it. We're not going to hand it to you. And you did like, that's actually really extraordinary because I think that's a scary moment for all of us humans of all, you know, of all sexes. It's, that's not that easy to do. It's not that easy to advocate for yourself and say, yes, I want to do this. I need this in my life. I want to make it happen. I'm going to get some people around me to help me. Like we're doing this. That's to me, the essence of power is feeling that desire, feeling that urge, feeling that sense in inside you, and then being willing to go forward and move towards it and create things around it, not take things away from other people, but create something for yourself. Absolutely. And, and it was terrifying. Um, <laughs> terrifying because I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I'm like a, I'm a serious rule follower. So for me to like step in the middle of this and say, Hey, like I want something else and I want it for me and I want it because it's important. And they gave me the exact right answer. Like if they said, Oh, okay, Kevin, here, let's set it up for you. This is what you're going to do. And then we're going to do that. It, it would not have had the impact that it had. They just basically said, then do it. And that was, that was, that was like the, the most frightening thing in the world because I was like, uh, I don't know how to do this, but I just started walking forward and started talking and started saying stuff. And it came out of that. Um, but that, you know, that, that is the, that is the point. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. That is still the point in my life where I, like, if I'm going to turn around, if I'm going to back, if I'm going to back up or back out, that's usually where it is for me. It's that place where like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't think I should do this. Um, but when I actually step forward and say, I don't know how the hell to do this, but I'm doing it. It's made 
it's made the difference every time. That's a really good point. And part of what I hear in that is uh, perfectionism, because I would say I'm the same way. Or if I don't know exactly what the rules are, or I don't know exactly how to win, I'm like mm-hmm. a lot less likely to do it. Because I'm like, well, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing things. But really, if, if I look back at my life, that's when all the magic happened. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. I'm just going to try some shit out. <laughs> like, that's, you know, yeah, that's part of what I think is um, the difference between actual power and the illusion of power. Because to me, the illusion of power is control and controlling other people or ourselves, whereas real power is coming from inside. And it's like a push. It's a guide. It's a force. That's like, you know, it's, I want to say the word intuition, but it's a little stronger. It's more powerful than that. To me, that's Mm -hmm. what it feels like. And in terms of like healthy masculine power, I want that in my man, because I want to know that he is rooted and grounded in something larger than himself and that he's willing to feel that in his body and move towards it and guide us and lead us in that direction so that it's not a control thing. It's like, I'm feeling this, I'm sensing this, we're going here. One, 100% agree. 100% agree. The, um, in, in the authentic man program, uh, we would refer to that as agency and the ability to act. Um, and I think, so the, the story that the, the story that I hear from men all the time is very similar to the part of me that said, you know, I don't know what to do here, so I'm not gonna. Um, it, it, it's like uh, like either I don't have permission, uh, like I'm not following the rules. This is gonna upset people, and a big one is I don't know how to do this. Agency is not being like James Bond and knowing all of the answers and knowing all of the escape routes and knowing like knowing the winning solution in the moment agency is just doing it <laughs> and being willing to get bumped along the way if you make a mistake or you fall down or something goes wrong but to keep to keep going and going for what it is that you want agency is about just doing it um, not, you know, not, not blindly or stupidly, but to be like, let your, um, your desire be your guide. Yes. If there's, if there's something that you want and not necessarily sexual desire, although that's, that's a great model for it, but whatever it is that you want in your life, there are so many things in our lives, in my life that I want that I, I can easily scare myself out of having or feel like I have no right because I have no idea. I don't have the training. I don't have the answers, but you know, the idea behind that is to just say, well, do you want that? Then step forward. That's so powerful. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, I don't know if you watched Elon Musk when he launched the truck and they threw a baseball at it and it cracked the window Yes. I threw a baseball again and it cracked the window. And (laughs) what I loved was he kind of just shrugged and he was like, Oh, well, and like, he just kind of moved on. Like he just doesn't seem to have that perfectionism thing where I think a lot of people would be horrified, 
but there's a way that he just steps forward into things that might not make sense and might not work. And he's like, well, we'll try it again. We tried this rocket. It didn't work. We're going to try another one. Like there's just such a, I don't know, a sense of we're doing this and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's just how science is. <laughs> like, I really like that and aspire to be more like that because I think um, ultimately most things, at least in what I've seen in work with men and women, but mostly with men that I am recognizing right now is it, a lot of it comes back to the shame because it's like, shit, if I, you know, if the window breaks on the car, it means I'm bad. Like I did something mm-hmm. wrong. I wasn't perfect. And everyone's going to see, and they're all going to know that I'm not perfect. And then I'm going to be left, right. I'm going to be abandoned or I'm going to be ridiculed or I'm whatever it is. And it feels like the more that we actually just do things and move forward, the more we see like, oh, I failed and I didn't die, right? And that's kind of, I don't know, for me at least that's helped with the perfectionism thing is like doing things and having some work and some not work and being like, oh, well, I guess it's not personal. It's like some things are working and some things aren't working and it's not about whether I'm good or bad. It's just some of these things I'm doing are working. Right, right. I I, I love I love the Elon Musk um, example. It it it's like uh, like someone someone could have that same experience and go and just be like, how embarrassing, you know? Like he said it was bulletproof and he shot it and it didn't. I mean, he didn't shoot it. He threw he threw a big ball at it, right? But like 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 how embarrassing can you believe it and then you did it again and it broke again you know it's like that's awful but to elon musk you're just like oh okay well i guess we need to work on the windows again right that's a data point <laughs> yeah like it just it, it it didn't work the way that i thought it was going to work and so back to the drawing board but like he has had enough experience with failures you know every, he's touted for all the successes that he's had but he's had enough failures to go Oh, okay. Back to the drawing board on the windows, but let's keep rolling. Cause this truck is awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, um, it also reminds me of babe. Ruth is known for having the most home runs for a really long time, but right. nobody knows that he also had the most strikeouts. He was also the strikeout King and nobody else had even close to the number of strikeouts as him. He led that number by far. And uh, yeah, I think th- to me, the the idea of power is, are you swinging for the fences? Are you able to step up to the plate and swing? Like that's power, whether or not you get what it is that you want. And I think that's exactly what you're speaking to with agency. Like, can you move your body to the plate and swing? Like that's power to me, whether or not you get the thing that you're desiring. Right. And just hearing, like hearing the words swinging for the fences, you know, has me want to underscore that it's not about being Elon Musk. (laughs) It's about, it's about taking a risk, uh, to, to have the thing that you want. Um, and that could be a relationship. It could be a certain request within a relationship. It could be your next job, a career change. It could be where you live. It could be the kind of sex you have. Like it doesn't have to be um, 
earth shattering. It, it's a, it, 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 I think all of those things are, are the stepping stones that lead these really great human beings to do earth shattering things. But it, um, you know, when I, when I say like, I get confronted by something that I don't know and I back down, like, you know, it could, it, it, it could be, you know, whether I, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something stupid, like, like, like buy a new bike or something like there, like it, it it's, it, if I think that there's a risk that I could lose something, whether it's money or a relationship or, um, uh, like the, the admiration of someone's someone else's you know thoughts of me like if i think that that's at risk and i back down like that's the loss that i'm talking about but that's also the place where i can say oh well you know it's not it's not me it's like i'm not bad i'm not a, a mistake or a joke or or an embarrassment i'm just the guy who did this thing and am i willing to to honor that that's the truth and take another, take another swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, one of my, one of my guy clients. Um, we had talked about kind of what we're talking about here in the course and everything. And I was talking about, you know, just go, just, just move towards what you want. That's it. Just go, just move towards what you want. So he was at a beer garden and he, and this girl locked eyes and he just walked over. Like he was like, he was like, Mel, it was like you were in my head and I just walked over. I didn't think about it. I got there. I said, hi. And we talked for like an hour. And, and that's, I think what we're talking about when you're saying, you know, it's not necessarily about becoming Elon Musk, but it's like, are you able to move your body and go over there? And I remember another guy that I worked with where I was like, I felt really um, excited for him and proud of him because over the course of our work together, you know, he lost a bunch of weight. He bought a bike. He started doing um, art in public. He started making really good friends at work. Like all of these things kind of started, he, he moved forward in his life in all of these different ways. And it reminded me of in a video game when you're the avatar and the avatar is just standing there, right? And you can see it's just kind of swaying and then you can see right. the world and it hasn't started moving yet. It's like stepping in your power, owning your power is like, it's like moving. You're moving forward into the world. Maybe you're going to lose one of your lives. Maybe you're going to lose some of your powers. Maybe you're going to gain some powers. We don't know, but you're moving now. Like you're in the game. You're on the field. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the word animate, animate came to mind, like animating the, the life, bringing the life to the avatar. It's, it's, it's like, I, like I can just see your guy like sitting at the bar, kind of like swaying back and forth. like back like like for 15 minutes right but like when when does he actually like start using the controller to use this narrative when when does he actually animate it when does he actually bring force life agency and and start freaking walking toward the person right yeah and i think what was the other the second thing that was really striking about the story you told at arte was you were held by a tribe of men there was a tribe of men that were there to support you and like you said challenge you but they challenged you in in a healthy way meaning we care about you we see something in you we know you're going for what you want we're behind you we're with you and we're not going to stop until you get that we're not just going to we're not going to coddle you like you said and that's i think the that's what you know unhealthy masculine 
coaches, for example, like when they're coaching men and they're like, if you don't get this right, then you're a coward or you're a wimp or there, there's not that sense of, I see your greatness and I am here to draw it out of you and challenge you until you get there. It's more yeah. like you have to do it this way and you have to win. Otherwise you're shit. Yeah. And that's yeah. really important because like you said, you know, the mentorship of men who are embodying the healthy masculine, a tribe of men, there's something about that that I see over and over that is like critical in a man's journey. Would you agree having worked with lots of men? Uh, I, I couldn't overstate it more how important that is. Um, and you know, that, that in and of itself can be a challenge. Like if, if you're on your own and you don't know any man who thinks that way, or at least that's what you say in your head, um, it could feel like, well, this is a great conversation that you're, that you're sharing with me, Mel, but I ain't got anybody like that. So I guess I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, there are ways around that, you know, like there are, there are ways to take, you know, your future into your own hands and create that. And to use that phrase again, fumble fuck your way through it until you find something that's valuable. But I, I cannot underscore how, uh, how much of a difference it made for me to meet those men and to see them hold me in that way and to hold the masculine with, you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm not very woo woo at all. Very, like very sort of in my head, very science-based, but like to hold the masculine as sacred, like not like shame, not shadow, not that there isn't shadow. There absolutely is right. Like that. And that's like, that's part of the responsibility of holding that sacredness. It's like, yes, the masculine can, um, can build buildings um, and it can kill people. And you have to know um, who you are and, and, and where you're grounded to wield that power in the direction that you want to wield it. And to see, and, and you know, like to see these men, some of them were like, kind of like, this seems like a good idea. I'm going to go along with it, right? Like, like the, that old phrase, fake it till you make it. You know, none of us were perfect. None of us are perfect. We still like, we still bungle and there's still some um, masculine shadow that shows up in me and all of our, all of my, my tribe of men. Um, but to be in, to be in the company of men who are like, yeah, I'm not perfect. I, I screw things up. Like I've had bad relationships. Like I'm not a hero, but I got you. Yeah. And if, and if you, like, if you think that you're fucking this up, like I am, I am like, I've done the exact same thing and I'm still here with you. Yeah. And that, you know, like seeing that feeling that was 180 degrees from any concept that I had had of, of men and the masculine and power itself. It felt like power was something to hold over someone else, to win, to beat, to take. And this was power to enliven and embody and, um, and to hold up. Yeah. To generate like life. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that was beautifully eloquent. Okay, so I'm wondering if you could share maybe something that you think is important that men should know about this process of owning their power and what happens on the other side. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think one of the misunderstandings about this, uh, something that I've gotten from not necessarily something that men have spoke about, but something that I've witnessed, um, men either, uh, uh, who are either new to like a men's circle or men's group kind of culture, or when um, uh, in the authentic man program, guys would come, you know, wanting to master this part of their life. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the, um, this part of their life, meaning like dating and women. Exactly. Right. The authentic man program was like underneath. It was about, it really was about finding your own personal power and your agency and a lot of the things um, that we're talking about. Uh, but <clears throat> the wrapper was like, how do I, how do I talk to women or, or how do I improve the quality of my dating? Um, and a lot of men had tried a bunch of different things like the pickup community and the, um, I think the place where that really fails is it, 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 it is like something that is thrown on top instead of these underlying layers, right? The underlying layer of self-esteem or the underlying layer of, you know, I'm intrinsically okay. I'm an okay person. I'm a good guy. It's this thing. It's this um, set of skills um, or routines that are thrown on top of someone who isn't actually connecting to the fact that at the bottom of it, you know, they're a human being, they're good, you know, they're, uh, they're going to be okay. They are okay. And so it's like, <clears throat> if I could just fix this one part, you know, in my life, um, I'm just going to put attention on it and I'm going to go to this course or I'm going to watch this video or I'm going to practice in the bars. And my belief and looking at, at, at all of the men that I've worked with and the, and the years of um, personal growth work that I've done for myself and as a professional, um, it's holistic. It's, it's not something that you can target and fix in that target area. Um, if you're not feeling your power or you're owning your humanity or you're comfortable in your skin when it comes to dating, um, you're probably not feeling that in a whole bunch of different areas. And I think, I think it's tricky though, because we all, we all have these strategies that really help us succeed. You know, and then we might have a strategy that helped us get um, a high paying job or in a career that like we think is important or satisfying. We, you know, like we might have figured out how to make great art. Um, we might even we might even have figured out how to get laid. Right. But um, it's it's a little confusing or can be hard to understand that. Yeah, you can find a strategy that helps you succeed here, but that's not actually fixing the underlying wholeness mm. of who you are and what would have you uh, bring that power everywhere. Um, 
and that includes uh, includes dating or sex or or long term interpersonal relationships. So I think it's um I think it's a little confusing because we're told we need to target something, and I think it's also um, uh, misleading that uh, that we think that that we can compartmentalize. And, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll figure out the money thing. I'll figure out the, the, uh, sex thing. I'll figure out the relationship thing. And the whole time that's on top of someone who doesn't really, I mean, it's, you know, extreme case, right. Who doesn't really feel like they have any power. Who doesn't really feel that they're, um, they're, they're at their full potential. Who, who doesn't maybe even believe at the bottom that they're a good human being. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering in your case, you know, on your journey sort of pre-owning your power to moving into that, did that affect more than just your relationships with women? I'm guessing it did, but can you speak a little to how how it affected your life? Yeah, I would I would say um so at the at the time that I had that experience of of you know, this wall of men, <laughs> this, uh, you know, the sacred masculine love, um, at the Arte experience, I was already married. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I wasn't horrible at dating. Um, but I was, like I said, I was that guy who would wait and wait and wait and wait. Um, so it, it I wasn't, uh, I wasn't looking to go out and, and start picking up women or having lots of dates or, or things like that. Um, but I was really foundering in my career and what I, what I was satisfied slash not satisfied with in what I was doing. Um, and, uh, and I was still kind of like figuring out like, do I have a purpose that's worth something? And so I would say that for me, when I had that experience, night and day, the transformation for me was, oh, there's a, there's a place for me in this world. And there is something that I can offer that not maybe some people want, maybe some people won't, won't want, but that there was value to it. I saw that I had value and that... Um, and that it was connected to me, um, again, going for what I desired and bringing integrity to my life and doing what I was going to say that I was going to do and, um, and holding a higher standard for myself internally and getting the support of the men around me externally. Um, the 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 really <laughs> the interesting thing is that though I wasn't looking to go on dates, um, all of a sudden, like my um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, so that <laughs> it doesn't sound conceited or stupid, but Your sex like appeal? my sex, my <laughs> sex appeal, <Yeah>. <laughs> my attractiveness. Um, uh, increased like what felt like a hundredfold. Like I, I just had women wanting to give their attention to me. And, um, and I think that that had everything to do with how I was feeling about who I was, what I was doing. Um, 
and how I was going about doing that. And I would say, you know, um, it's not like I turned that corner and my life um, was perfect from that point forward. My life was totally different from that point forward. But, you know, I still have to struggle with the places where I hold back. Um, I still have to struggle with the places where I get afraid. Um, at this point, though, it's really clear to me. Like, it, it's, I know when I'm trying to pull the wool over my eyes, I'm never caught off guard by it. I can always tell that I'm either taking a step forward or holding back. It's really loud for me. So, you know, I may still choose to hold back in one place or another in my life in one time or, or one, um, you know, from one year to the next. But uh, when I do hold back, it's so loud. And when I do step forward, I can feel that, that kind of like that unknown, that little bit of fear, a little bit of heart racing. And I know that that's actually the place where I want to go. You know, I think it's also worth reiterating here that you are a facilitator. You are a course leader. You're not just one of the facilitators. You're someone who leads these kinds of courses and the kinds of sacred spaces that you were talking about with Arte. And that's how I've known you. Like, I see you as one of the most trustable men that I know and that you are able to really hold that space for others. Like, that doesn't surprise me at all what you said about the sex appeal because that's really kind of what we were speaking to of what creates safety, in my opinion, is a man who's in his power. Because a man who's in his power is connected to something larger than himself. And that is what is trustable. And I feel like that's why, you know, you you started on the path of becoming a facilitator not long after you did that Arte experience. And it's kind of, I mean, brought you to where you are. But it's like this, um, it's like catnip, I think, for the feminine, when we can <laughs> sense that sort of like rooted, grounded quality of like, this man is is grounded in something greater. He knows that he has something to offer. And, and that's kind of effortless, right? It's not something that you have to do or be or say or act a certain way around the feminine. The feminine can like sense it. It's like, oh, I want to be over there. Like that's attractive. Yeah. Um, I will take your word on all of that. <laughs> um, what's interesting though, in, in hearing you say that, um, you know, if this had been early on in, in my career and I've been facilitating for 15, 16 years now, um, if it had been early on in my career, there still would have been a little bit of self doubt that crept in or either false modesty or real modesty, you know, um, at this point in my life, um, I'm really, I'm really clear that I'm, I'm really good at what I do. People trust the hell out of me. Um, that's the kind of space that I create, you know, not a hundred percent for a hundred percent of the people, but, um, uh, consistently I get that feedback and it has, I guess, created a feedback loop where I no longer distrust that that's that, you know, like that's fleeting or it's uh, or it was a, you know, I got lucky or anything like that. I'm really clear that that's what I generate. That's what I bring. That's what you can count on me for. And so, you know, when I hear you say all of that, that the, what's, what's really different for me now than it was maybe 10 years ago was my mind just goes, yep, 
yep, yep. Yeah. I do that and I do that. And yeah, absolutely. That's why the feminine wants to be around me. Yeah. And it's also, um, it's why I think you're a trustable team leader because that's really what it is, right? To be a good facilitator or a good course leader, someone who's holding that space. It's not like, it's not like you're the king or something. It's like you're a trustable leader. And so your team knows that you have their back, right? So that, cause I've been on your team and I'm like, I can do my best work because I know that you have my back. So there's this cascade effect from the, you know, on a mentor level of the people holding, holding a sacred space and then the people on their team and then the people they're serving. So there's a, it's a community, it's an organism, it's an, it's alive. And it, it is, I think fundamentally way more sound with people like you that are, that are holding the, the team. A hundred percent. And, you know, we're sort of diving into leadership a little bit now, but I think, and I, I think it's relative and if it's not, I'll make it relative. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like I'm that, that's, that's what I'm all about is supporting my team. And if that means that I step aside because this person can do that thing way better than I can, then I'm a hundred percent behind them to get it done so that it has an impact on, um, on whatever we're trying to do, whether it be in a course or a team or whatever. Um, and I'm also not willing, I'm, I'm also willing to like, sh- like show where I'm not the strongest or even where I failed. Like I, I have no problem in being transparent around that because I'm clear that that doesn't make me a failure. It's mm. just places where I've taken a misstep. So coming back around to owning my power, it's, that's part of it too. You know, if if I can distinguish the difference between having made a mistake and being a mistake, then it's it's going to feel a lot more comfortable to talk about those things. I'm not going to be afraid to talk about those things. And if I'm not afraid to talk about those things, then people are going to listen to me more. They're going to trust me more. They're going to feel more comfortable around me. And I'm going to feel more comfortable around them. That's a great point. I really like this little direction that this has taken. Cause I do feel like, you know, one of the highest expressions of, of power, whether it's in the masculine or the feminine is leadership and genuine leadership. Like you said, isn't you do what I say. It's I'm attuned to you and to the space and what's needed. And I'm going to show up for that. So there's almost like a humility, like you said, of stepping back when one of your teammates is like, you're better at this. Like, go ahead, <laughs> take it over. Like this is, it's all you. And then stepping up when someone's having a hard time or something, it's sort of like, it's an attunement to what's in the room, the people that are in the room and the space and what's needed and, and all of that. And that's really, to me, very powerful. Yeah. Um, so here's a, here's a super obvious example of that. Um, that includes you, like the work that we did working with men, you know, uh, a male facilitator, a male coach comes in, works with them, works with a man from the male perspective, and then female coaches come in and work with the man from the feminine perspective. Um, you know, I would like, I would be, I would be an idiot if I tried to do the part that you were doing. One, because because I, like my feminine isn't that strong. It, I mean, you know, it's there, but it's not that strong. <laughs> and, and two, why would I try to do that when you can do it so much better, right? So really, really what is there for me to do is to, is to trust that I'm still loved 
and respected and liked by everyone there and let you do your magic because you're the one who should be doing that in that moment at that time with that person, right? makes total sense. But sometimes when it's not that obvious of a split, like we ego gets involved and we either need to control it because we're afraid or don't trust ourselves or all those things sort of show up. Yeah. I like that you said that. And I think, um, you know, I'm coaching now alongside my, um, co-coach Jason and it's the same thing as the authentic man program where I feel like the real power of the programs like those are that they do combine the masculine and feminine, that they do include both energies and that the, the participants are held by both because I think that's really where we're going in the evolution of humanity is coming into balance and coming into respect and admiration for both energies instead of one over the other. It's like the yin yang. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Like, um, you know, I think of, I think of the transformation that the society and, you know, for me, American slash Western society over the last 10, 15 years, um, and everything that's, that's shown up, uh, in, uh, the me too movement and, um, and this whole, and, and, you know, like I, I, I was about to say millennial, but it goes beyond millennials generation Y, like it goes beyond the label. There's just a, a wave front that's moving through our society right now. That is, um, that is about inclusion, understanding, receiving different kinds of energies. And so, you know, I'm still like this old dude who speaks in the language of masculine, feminine, um, and, and I often will equate it to men and women, but you know, I know that underneath that it's really, it's like, what are you offering and what's the way that you're offering it? And, and what are you willing to receive and what are you willing to make room for? Mm. And, um, it's just, you know, it's been just fascinating to see how all of that has kind of transformed and you know i think that we're it's still clumsy and we're still sort of trying to figure out how to to have all of that um mix elegantly and you know it's sometimes it's a little bumpy but uh but i definitely believe that that's the direction we're going i think that we'll start to wrap there and um i'm just wondering um if men are interested in working with you are you are you doing coaching? What's your deal around all of this right now? Um, I am, uh, I am not actively taking on, uh, coaching clients. Um, typically a friend will say, uh, I'd really like you to work with the, with someone cause I think you could do a lot of good for them. So I, I mean, I have, I have a website, Kevin O'Malley.com. Um, but uh, you'll have to convince me to, to take you on as a coach, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, you know, would be an incredible masculine power exercise for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh, that was great. You know, a lot of this episode, we talked about agency and being able to move forward and everything having to do with feeling like you have a sense of power and control. 
Um, and Jason and I have created a free training called how to take control of your love life as a man, specifically for you. So if you're interested in that, it's at evolutionary.men slash training. If you want to go deeper and you want to go beyond the podcast, I really recommend that training. Again, it's evolutionary.men slash training. I will see you next time.